and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name is Matt. I'm Courtney. What do we do? We talk through the do-dos and don't-dos of personalized learning. So we took a week off last week. Yeah. And But now we're back. We're back. And we have some things to talk about, like yep. we always do. Yeah. So uh, I would like to talk about, I brought this up, um, something, because I, I was working with some teachers a few days ago and kind of just had this, like, smack-in-the-face realization. Like, kapow? Kapow. Like, um, And it had to do with language, with the kinds of things we say to learners in the classrooms. And so I know we've talked about this before, because I've talked about um, the book uh, Choice Words before, mm-hmm. about how... Um, and like that one's all about and how like in reading and writing workshop, like you call them readers, you call them writers, you call them scientists, like mm-hmm. call them what you want them to be. But this kind of took it a step further for me, um, relating back to the kind of the purposes of personalized learning. Okay. So here's the scenario. Oh. Here's the scenario. Good. So I led a um, – like a modeling professional development session around writing workshop. And so the first class of the day, there were three successive classes. The first class of the day, I modeled everything. And the teachers took notes. I gave them specific things to be taking notes on, watching for questions, things like that. And then after the first class, it, we did like kind of handing off. Like so then one teacher took it and then another teacher took it, like different parts that were not. And so with one of the teachers, something that I noticed was that Every time instructions were given um, or every time, like, a task was introduced, it was always prefaced with, I want you to do this. Or sometimes it was even, like, um, do me a favor, you know, do this for me, do me a favor, like, let's work on this. You know, kind of, like, always framing the work as something needing to be done for the teacher. Right. Do this because, because I want, I want, I you, want to. you to do this. Yeah. And it was just a total smack in the face to me, not in a bad way, but like in that like shakabuka realization way that like, <laughs> wow, that is language that just reinforces compliance and does nothing to further learner agency. And I think it's one of those, and so I talked about it with the teachers, Mm -hmm. because then the other teacher, like one teacher, it was like every single time they gave instructions or directions, this was included. With another, with other teachers, it was just now and then. They would say something like, and now I want you to do this. And, And I was like, when I was talking to them about it, I was like, I might've said it too. I don't know because I wasn't keeping track and, you know, mm-hmm. you don't know probably because it wasn't something I had highlighted for you to keep track of for me ahead of time, mm-hmm. but that um, it's something worth paying attention to. So how do you do that intentionally? Right. So one of the teachers then asked me that. Okay. Like, so then what should I be saying? And I yep. was like, well, I think it's just moving to more neutral language. So instead of... Um, now I want you to, you know, go in your notebook and write down six ideas of things you could write about. You might say, like, now it's time to go to the note, go to your notebook and write down some ideas. Mm-hmm. So just taking out that it's not about me because it's, it's not, not about, about me. Right, 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 right. I, as the teacher, have nothing to do with this. Like, sure, it'd be nice if you would do what I'm asking you to do, but that's not why I'm asking you to point. do it. Yeah, I'm asking, I'm telling you, and providing this lesson and these opportunities for you so that you learn to write and get the skills so that you like writing 
maybe not love it, but are at least able to do it and not hate it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so, um, so yeah, so that was kind of, that's one of the things that's been on my mind is like even going further than just like calling them learners or, or saying, you know, readers, like, but then actually really thinking about the language that we use and the messages it's giving. So this is also something that I've been uh, reading about lately as I'm trying to catch up on some of my educational reading. And yeah. I was reading this article called um, Confessions of a Recovering Praise Manipulator. <laughs> That's a wonderful yeah, title. Yeah, which totally got me into this. So, uh, And they talked about exactly what you just have here. And they, they talk about alternatives to praise because, yeah. you know, praise is hopefully we all know uh, if it's overdone, you're kind of sending a not just the wrong message but then they'll do stuff you're conditioning kids right and that theory i think has gone out of education (laughs) or it should anyway Uh, so they were talking about alternatives to praise where they say instead of this you say this right uh and so one of them is like i am so proud of you uh they want to change to you should be so proud of yourself yeah or great job on the science fair could be changed to <laughs> what part was the most challenging. Yeah. And so it becomes about them. Right. And gaining, them gaining their own agency over what they're doing rather than trying to please the teacher. Right. And right. even some really simple things like you were just talking about are Super things simple. that yeah. you don't really think about. As you said, you don't even realize some of it comes out of your mouth un- yeah. unless it's called out. Right? right. And saying maybe you could do that a little bit different. So... When I asked you about how how intentionally you have to be, do you think this is something that you can correct in the moment out loud? If I'm saying, oh, well, totally. Courtney, I want you to do this. No, I didn't mean that. This is what I mean. Yeah. And just be very open about it, even in front of kids. Yeah. Oh, I think that would be amazing. I think that would be amazing, I think too. it would be amazing. Yeah, to just to totally explain why you stopped and corrected yourself that's a huge lesson on so many levels for for the learners in front of you so that's something we've talked about before right is making whatever we're whatever we're trying to get across make it explicit explicit and don't assume that our kids are going to know right and i think that was one of my issues as a teacher a lot was i I taught high school so they're all older kids so i assume they're you know they're like young adults right Right. Uh, right. Turns out they're they're not. No, they're, they're still kids. like their brains are. They're not just developed. big kids. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so assuming they know something, it's never going to work. Yeah. So if you make it explicit and obvious and transparent, which we talk a lot about on this podcast, right? About, but I think people stop at the curriculum. Yes, that's the thing. Yeah, they don't go as far as the like the behaviors and the thinking and like that's an inc- that's hugely powerful for a teacher to stand up and be like, now I want you to do no wait. That's not what I mean. I want to say it this way. Here's why I want to say it that way. Yeah. Like, and, and I think and a lot of people why. would stop even before the here's why I Agreed. want to say it this way. Agreed. But, yeah, doing that would be amazing. And then you get the learners in on it with you, and you know that after that first time you do that in front of them, they will point it out to you every time. Yep. Um, so how intentional do you have to be? Like, you were kind of like, I think yes, initially. I think it's just like any habit or any skill. Right. As you're first introduced to it, you need a lot of practice, a lot of feedback, a lot of reminders. And then eventually it becomes um, uh, you become fluent with that skill. Right. You have uh, automaticity. That's right. The word it just becomes for. who you are at it that point. It becomes just part of right? you. Because you're used to it. Right. And that's going to take time. Yeah. Obviously. But one of my next questions, I guess, would be why 
where would the pushback be from teachers that might be listening to this and being like, well, but I do want them to do these things. So here's where I, so I've thought about this too. <laughs> what, what is, I didn't get any pushback when, when we talked about Interesting. it. I didn't. I, one That's per, good. Yeah. One person was really kind of as floored by it as I was and was mm-hmm. like, wow. Holy crap. Yeah, right? yeah. That I had never thought about that before. That's a really amazing point. Mm-hmm. Like. I'm, I'm going to continue thinking about this one, right? Um, and the other person didn't, didn't really say anything. So, uh, but here's where I think there might be some pushback, um, is that if you have the strong belief that relationship is the most important thing about education, then through that lens... I could see how saying things like, well, I want you to do this for me, kind of relies on that. Well, we we have such a good relationship. Why wouldn't you want to do this for mm-hmm. me? Or, and I'm not saying this is right, but this is the lens that I can, I can put that lens on and I sure. can see where the argument w- could be coming from, right? Mm-hmm. Or the justification could be coming from. Or that, you know, by giving them the opportunity to do it for me, like that's strengthening. It's showing me that, they respect me and like me too, right? I think that might be kind of, I don't think this argument or this justification holds water at all. I think it's bordering on sick. So, <laughs> but, uh, so it seems to be, I'll, I'll so let, that's, that's really what I could It seems like with. a power relationship, right? Yeah. Where if well, if but I, I have don't my think... students doing something for me, I don't think it's explicitly thought of that way. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that's, I think that's good to point out. Right. That, um, unless it does become more of a sick thing. Right. But I think it's, it's like I am in control of this classroom. These are the classroom management skills that I've been taught, and I need to control my group by having them do things for me. And if they do it, they can move on to the next thing. And if I change that and make it explicit and telling them why they're doing that thing. Mm. They might not do that thing. And I look weak. Right. Oh, I okay. So I, I think that could I be. I think that's another lens. Another lens. Yeah. I think the extent to which people would admit to that lens or even recognize that lens is lower. Oh, way, right? way like, lower. That could actually be very buried beneath the relationship lens. Well, one of the things yeah. that you said before with that teacher that said, that's amazing, I had never thought of that. Right. We don't think of those things. No. You know, a lot of the language we, we talk about is about um, when, when the change happens, as you said, it's about curriculum. Yeah. It's about targets and standards right. and whatever, but it's not about the other things. Yeah. The, the, the point of why kids are... In school, basically, it's right. something I've been thinking a lot of lately. Is like, what's what's the point of anything that we do, and trying to figure out what those outcomes are, and maybe that's mm. a way we can change the way we do school. But if it's not explicitly said that way, then we're just trying to tweak things along. Right. right? Yeah. And I think it's worth it. You know, it's like you think about the things you're going to pass through a filter, right? As you're working towards a vision or you're working towards outcomes, like if learner agency is something that we value and is something that we see as an outcome for personalized learning, then really everything we do has to pass through it, including small things like the language that is used. Right, right. It, it all goes together. Right, 
it's not just the academic part. Right. And, and maybe, I, you know, I don't know. I'm going to start just talking through here. Maybe it's like, you know, sure, there's different levels of filter. And, you know, the first filter, like you sift out the big things, like, and you, you tackle curriculum and you tackle. Mm -hmm. And maybe this idea of, like, the language and the more subtler stuff is smaller or even, like, you know, um, classroom setup, like the physical space. Like, maybe those are smaller, more subtle things that maybe you take care of but now in my head, I'm going, no, it doesn't matter. Like you could take care of, in some cases, taking care of the language first might actually help other pieces come along, likewise with physical space. Um, there's, so not, there's not an order to there's these There's not things. an order to these things. No, I think, I think my advice might be start with the things that you're comfortable with right? and make those smaller changes or attack a few things at once. Yeah. If, if you're the risk taker out there. right? then really think about the things that you're saying for one. Right. But you can do that while you're changing the structure of what the classroom actually physically looks like. Yeah. You can do those at for the same sure. time yeah. and explain why you're doing it. I think I think things are not nearly as overwhelming for our learners as sometimes we think they are. Oh, no, I agree they 100% with that. Yeah. Super they do. quick. Yeah, they do. It's the as we said before, it's the adults that mm -hmm. are the problem in the yeah. room most of the time. Right. So if we're making these giant changes, kids adapt instantly, whereas we're like, oh, you know, if I... We worry about it way if more. If I put those yeah. desks in a different space today, <laughs> kids are going to freak out. It's like, you know, my experience is kids walk in, they're like, oh, and they go find a new place. <laughs> yeah. And that's so it. They'll be like, cool. And then, <laughs> and then they'll be like, can we rearrange the desks tomorrow? You know, yeah. it's like they... It's, it's and then really you've got not, something. The change is not as, as hard on them as we think it is. Yeah. So, hey, you know what? I don't I don't know. Everyone kind of just pay attention for the next few days. Yeah. What what kinds of things are coming out of your mouths? <laughs> <laughs> There's our title right there. <laughs> All right. So what have we got upcoming, Courtney? Uh I don't know, Matt. What do we have? Upcoming? So we will be uh, in Nebraska. Oh, right, yes, in Nebraska. June. Uh, we'll be talking to some teachers and administrators and coaches and all people at education-wise at the end of June mm -hmm. in Lincoln, and in the fall we'll be visiting Atlanta. So for all of you Georgians or anybody in within what a twenty-five hour drive, we could say they could. Make <laughs> I was going to say it's like we're flying. Oh, that's right. right. We're not driving to this one. <laughs> But if you're in Atlanta at the, at the uh, let's see, it's the Southeastern Conference on Personalized Learning. I believe that's the case. We've tweeted right, it so out a couple times. Okay, so Southeast, check our, yes. check our uh, Twitter feed for this one. Uh, but we're doing some podcasting there. Yep. So if you are visiting, uh, come on over and share your thoughts. And uh, we'll get them out to a universe-wide audience. I think that's how it works. That's right? how it works, yeah. Yeah, oh, I my. think so. So those are our next couple things coming cool. up. But uh, we'd love to talk to you. Yes. All right, so you can follow us on Twitter, find us on Facebook. Um, our website has the parking lot, and 